Hello and welcome to another edition of the podcast where we look back on the cartoons and movies and TV shows of our youth to see if they're still worth a damn. Or not. Or not, which is far too often the case. I'm Sean. And I'm Chris. And this is Childhood Remastered. There was a time not so long ago when kids were encouraged to spend time outside. In fact, the phenomenon was so common that parents would often send their kids away to summer camps to spend their days swimming, playing baseball, going on hikes, doing arts and crafts, and whatever else the camp counselors could come up with. Personally, I went to several summer camps in my youth, from religious to sports-oriented to more outdoor-oriented varieties. It was so popular, in fact, that Thomas Hill and Steve Slavkin wrote a book about it in 1986. A few years later, Slavkin sold the idea to Nickelodeon as a new show aimed at a somewhat older audience than Nickelodeon was used to. That show was Salute Your Shorts. Shorts was an American comedy TV series based on the 1986 book Salute Your Shorts, Life at Summer Camp by Steve Slavkin and Thomas Hill. Uh, The show aired uh, from June 1st, 1991 through June 29th, 1992 on Nickelodeon. It had two seasons of, what was it, 26 shows? 26 26 episodes. episodes. The show takes place at Camp Onawana and focuses on teenage campers, their strict and bossy counselor, and a various... Uh, sort of mad capers that they engage in throughout the 26 yeah. episodes. Summer, summer fun. All the different things, all the, the different crazy things that they get into. The pilot for the series aired as a special on Nickelodeon in October of 1990. And after the pilot episode was picked up to series, all of the actors actually had to go back and re-audition for their roles. And, and it's funny to note that of the original people from the pilot, the only three people who maintained their same roles where this were the uh, and we'll get into them in a minute were the actors who played the characters of ug donkey lips and budnick yes everybody else got switched everyone else got yeah they all got recast to uh different actors so with that said what do you remember about this show i actually i have a lot of fond memories about this show you know the difference i was thinking about it the difference between this show and hey dude is i was vast yeah first of all 
Yeah. Well, in terms of in terms of content, yeah. But in terms of of how I remember it, I absolutely remember this show, and I think it was helped by the fact that Nickelodeon, up until like the late 1990s, was was replaying this in syndication. So yeah. I'm I'm positive that I watched it in its first incarnation back in the early early 90s, but I also watched it definitely through the mid 90s into whenever they they canceled it they finally took it off the air and i'm i'm more familiar with the episodes of this show because unlike unlike hey dude where they had what was it like there was far more episodes because it was put out over five seasons for salute your shorts it was only like 26 episodes so you saw the same episodes over and over and over and over because it was in syndication for so long it's sort of like Invader Zim or the Oblongs, where there's not a whole lot of episodes, but they showed it all the time. Well, the Oblongs in particular has very few <laughs> it's episodes. It's like nine episodes or something right. ridiculous. Invader Zim, I think, is is a, a bit more, because there's yeah. two seasons. Two, yeah, but it's still uh, not that many, three, but they would play right. it over and over and over right. and over. So I remember, I remember this show a lot. I remember liking it. I remember the... Uh, I don't know. Of course, I had like crushes on some of the girls because why not? You yeah. were a young, young adolescent boy that with with hormones and ways about stuff, and and they had sort of a uh, they had a eclectic group of. Um, it was sort of we talk about it sort of like a Burger King Kids Club of of uh, characters on the show. You had. You had uh, the athletic girl. You had the the like pretty rich girl. You, you had, had the, the popular guy. The, you yeah. had the nerd. You the had the bully, the fat kid. Yeah, you had you the, had a bunch of tropes. The hip, the, the hippie chick. Yeah, and and they sort of fit their role. Yeah, so to speak. I I myself definitely watched this in its first run, and I I love the show, and and I love the idea of camp. I think because I. So this came out in 1991 and ran until the summer of 92. So I was in, that was like what, second, third grade. Mm -hmm. So we were made for us. So I think we're a little too young to do summer camp, second and third grade. Yeah. Uh, like sleepaway summer camp. Yeah. Not like the day camp kind of stuff that people do. Yeah. Like sleepaway gone for weeks or whatever. At some a time. of, some of the, uh, some of our listeners and some of people out there, I'm sure at that age did go to that because I, I wasn't in scouting, but I knew a lot of people who were at that like seven right. and eight year old well, age. And scouting was different too, because it wasn't quite summer camp either. It's not like you go away to a camp and sleep in a bunk. Uh, in a room full of kids with one adult for like weeks at a time. Yeah, you might get a, a like a one or two night thing. You know, and a week at a week at most. A maybe. week at most. Yeah, but but I my first summer of summer camp actually was the summer after this was on oh, my nice. summer from third to fourth grade. So when I went into fourth grade and I got to do my first sleepaway summer camp. It was almost like this had prepared me mentally for what I expected. And in mine, it was like Indian themed. So there was teepees. We all slept in like giant tent teepees outside. But it was still sort of a similar idea. Like we all slept on these like super uncomfortable cots and, you know, and you had free time mostly throughout the day to do whatever you wanted. You could just disappear into the woods and hike for and like three gone. hours. And yeah, and and pull branches off of trees and make forts and, you know, do archery and all of this stuff that, that, uh, is sounds terrifying for like most modern parents, but yeah. I definitely, I feel like this show sort of prepped me for that. Yeah. And I, and I love the show. I love the characters and, and yeah, of course like you had crushes on characters, which is totally a normal thing. And 
and I I liked Ugg uh, a lot. He I, was he was funny. He was funny, like generally funny. His delivery was good. His timing was good as a kid. Like as a kid, I realized that, which is huge, mm-hmm. you know. So let's I guess get into the show itself. Yeah, the the show actually it 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 has a, a little bit of local flavor uh, for us here in Southern California because. A lot of the scenes that involved camp activities like baseball and basketball, they were all shot on location at uh, within the Griffith Park uh, Greater grounds. Griffith Park the, area. Yeah, and that's that's an area in uh, Los Angeles that's close to uh, the observatory and the on the Hollywood sign. But some and, of it was also shot at the William O. Douglas Outdoor Classroom in Franklin Canyon Park, which is uh, still you know in Southern California. It's in the Santa Monica Mountains. It's not that far from. Uh, in fact, that's actually where the opening credits for the Andy Griffith show uh, was was filmed, and and part of it happened one night. One of my favorite classic movies is filmed there. So. And I, I know that I know that like Mash was filmed somewhere nearby because you yeah, can go there's visit a bunch of stuff filmed out there. You can still go visit the old Mash sets if you want to go for a long ass hike and <laughs> go into the hills in like yeah, Santa I mean, Monica Mountains or they, somewhere. At, at at the Franklin Canyon Park, they did stuff like Bonanza and Lassie. And they've done CSI out there and Dynasty, Quantum Leap and ER and all of this stuff. And then, you know, movies, it was like uh, the Dr. Doolittle remake and Nightmare on Elm Street were filmed out there for different parts. Purple Rain. Uh, I mean, just, uh, oh, the lagoon from Creature from the Black Lagoon is Franklin Lake. Oh, yeah. Nice. uh, Rambo First Blood Part 2 was filmed out there. Platoon was filmed out there. I mean, these are... Big, big projects. But you're right. A lot of the sort of camp activity stuff, baseball and basketball, that stuff, was at the Griffith Park Boys Camp yeah. in Griffith Park. And it's important to it's important to realize that all of this stuff was taking place or being filmed in Southern California because the reason that the show was not renewed for a third season was because by that time, Nickelodeon, we talked about this with Hey Dude, by that time around 1991-92, Nickelodeon had opened up their headquarters in Orlando, Florida. So they wanted, at the end of season two, they wanted all of the actors and the crew and everybody involved with it to basically move out to Orlando to start filming the show out there. And most of the cast didn't want to move. The from... cast or the crew didn't want to move. They they were all they were all Southern California, like LA-based. They well, did... and that's the thing that... So when, when I read that, I thought... How stupid are you? Like, that's actually a really dumb move on Nickelodeon's part. They had a successful show. Super successful. I mean, had had won several awards, even. They were filming it in an area that had very, very easy access to film crews and, and scouting and acting talent. And, you know, it wouldn't have been a huge cost on them to just allow that crew to continue to record and do episodes here in Southern California, and then they could do other stuff for other for whatever. It just it's I think what they were trying to do. I think, especially now that I think back on it, it seemed like at the time Nickelodeon was kind of starting to re, attempting to revive the old studio system. Oh, absolutely, because they I I read I read somewhere that the re, one of the reasons that Nickelodeon wanted to bring it back to to Orlando or bring it to Orlando is because they wanted to start filming it in front of a live audience. Which is so dumb. Almost make it like a sitcom, especially because most of the show, well, not most, but a lot of the show takes place outdoors. So you'd have to build outdoor sets. Which never look good. Yeah, indoor sets. I mean, you'd have to build outdoor sets inside. And yeah, you're right. They never look good. 
and what to get laugh tracks and like gasps and but like the whole the whole reason why this show had that feel is because it didn't have that yeah it sort of felt like you were at camp with the kids so it would have destroyed that so nickelodeon personally i think screwed the pooch on that one pretty hard yeah and and so that's why there is no third or fourth or fifth season the theme music for this Jen Hammer unofficially supplied a lot of the musical numbers in the series, including the uh, closing theme uh, that played during the credits. And I don't know who wrote the intro song, but that is like one of the most memorable things oh, for yeah, me, the absolutely. Camp Anawana song. Yeah. So the name Camp Anawana itself is a slurred homophone of of the uh, the phrase i don't wanna so it's like if you if you wanted to ask your kids if they wanted to go to camp and they go i don't wanna and then or you ch- want to do something oh, I, don't I don't wanna so they just change that into a, a somewhat indian sounding name to yeah. make it to make it like ooh this is a camp and i was i was thinking back on the sort of i feel like the the 60s through the 80s especially the 70s and 80s were sort of that golden time for like summer camp mm-hmm. where i mean you had like like the the jason movies all surrounding yep. the idea of a summer camp and etc and so these summer camp uh, uh, sort of ideals i think it was at at the time it was a way for parents to get rid of their kids for the summer uh, sort of on the cheap because back then they were they were a lot cheaper, mm-hmm. and then it would allow parents to work through the summer and, and, and not, not have, have to worry about yeah. somebody watching their kid. That was always that was always the worst part of summer for my for I know for my mom because I you know she still had to work but we were off of school so she that was the reason that I was signed up for so many camps because she had to figure out something to do with me. Well, now that's the normal thing. So now most parents are are both working. Yeah, and. And so they have to do something with their kids. So they do day camps throughout the summer, and you're essentially paying somebody to, to hang out with your, to babysit and hang out <laughs> with your kid, which it kind of sucks because you know, I, at least for me, I want to spend my free time with my kid, and I want to spend her free time. I want her to spend her free time with me, and it's like I'd like to be able to go and do all this stuff over the summer, but you can't because you got to work. Mm-hmm. So you know, my kid, my kid's in preschool. She's uh, getting to that age, and so. She does like day camp in, in the summer. And yeah, like, that's what I did a lot. And of... they do fun stuff, but it sucks because I want to spend it with her. You know. Yeah, there was a there were a lot of like day camps that I went to that were actually put on by uh, Cal State Fullerton, which is our local college to the area. Well, at least it was my the local college in my area, and they would put on uh, summer camps that were counseled or whatever. They were staffed by the uh, I want to say like the physical education students or something. But we would do swimming. We would do like, activities. Yeah, and, we yeah. would do swimming, archery, soccer, baseball. So well, really, it was softball, and we do all this different stuff. And that's how my mom would occupy my days. You know, sign me up for a morning class and then an afternoon class. Yeah. and then that's the entire day. And then she come and pick me up. I at had the end a, of it. I had a stay at home mom, so. It was my brother and sister and I, and then my grandparents lived down the street, and my cousins were uh, raised by my grandparents, and uh, my parents helped out, and so it was the six of us, and then some neighborhood kids who also had stay-at-home parents, uh, or they were latchkey kids who would spend all day with us, and so we basically, we were released into the wild all day, and so my mom would put like a a big pitcher of water out with Dixie cups, and then a big bowl of (laughs) chips at like... 
nine in the morning and then lock the door and then tell us to go play. And if we needed to pee, she said, your boys, you can pee wherever you need to. <laughs> Seriously. Uh, if you have to poop, then come back and knock on the door. The only reasons I want to hear you knocking on the door is you've got to poop or somebody's bleeding. And those are, uh, and then I said, well, what if you have to poop and you're bleeding? <laughs> and of course my mom said, don't get smart, but we were allowed <laughs> to just sort of like do whatever we wanted, but we still did summer camp where we would like sleep away for, our, you know, yeah. Like more I, than a week. I definitely did a couple of those where I actually stayed in cabins and I did uh I did one horrific one where it was a it was a Catholic boys sleepaway camp. And it's not horrific in the way that you're probably thinking. It was just <laughs> it was just it was not fun. It was not a fun experience. It was it, it was out in the uh, El Toro area. Oh yeah, where the where the old airbase was, uh-huh. and uh, during meals we couldn't talk because it was it was actually it was put on by the seminary that was oh, out there. Geez. So all of the all of the quote unquote counselors were all guys that were in the seminary, and so we couldn't because it was the same thing that they could do. We had the same rules as them. We couldn't talk during meals. We had to use hand signs to ask for things. You couldn't refuse food. You always had to try everything. You had to wake up every day at six and do calisthenics, and they would wake you up by walking in and banging a trap, like banging a big trash can with a with a stick. All of our that sounds. It's not even. It's not even the worst part. All of our all of our cots. We had bunk beds. All of them were supplied by the Queen Mary, so they were terrible and they were like a hundred years old. Uh, we had to go to a Latin high mass every day. Because that's Sounds what that's terrible. what they did, and then it was I think for two weeks, and then every night a different a different group because we were all like you know separated into groups. Every night a different group would get get you know in quotes would be allowed to go sleep in this giant tent that was left over from when the airbase was there. It was like a giant mess tent out on a hill somewhere. What that really was is they didn't have enough space for all. No, of you. they had enough space oh, for us. It was just it was supposed to be like a benefit, like a like a oh, oh this is your this is your reward for being whatever. So we go out <laughs> there and we're all sleeping in sleeping bags like on the floor in for this, a week. In no, it's a couple lips for the night. And oh, okay. while we were out there, I remember our uh, our counselor who I can't even remember what his name was, but he told us to make sure when we were in our tent or when we were in our sleeping bags to make sure to like scrunch up our toes because rats and scorpions like to go around in the area and they'll go into your they'll go into your sleeping bags and they'll gnaw off your toes if you're not if you don't have them all scrunched That's up. That's a dick thing to say to a bunch of kids. Oh yeah, cuz we were like we were like 10 or 11 and then they uh, they uh, the the worst part of the whole thing was that they sent us on this big march. It was like a <laughs> It was like a, I always called it a death march. I was gonna say this sounds like some sort of death march. It was. Stuff. So we walked. You you're familiar with the El Toro area, like I, I live over there. Yeah, yeah. So there's there's hills. It can get really hot in that just sort of hilly wilderness area that's oh, back yeah, there. Back in the canyons. Back yeah. in the canyons, it can get extremely hot. So we did a we did something in the neighborhood of like a five mile hike through that. You know, a bunch of 10, 11 year olds. No water the whole way. We hiked all the way over. It's God's plan, Sean. Yeah, God's plan. Whoever <laughs> drops off, it's God's plan. Uh, so we hiked all the way over to a um, to a, some area. And when we got there, there was one of the guys from the camp who had a literal 60-gallon trash can full of water. 
like it was a brand new one that they had just filled with water and he was just, all these kids were just crowding around him with cups out because they were all dying of thirst like, please sir can I have some more <laughs> and he was just he was just dunking uh, pitchers like these two plastic pitchers he had he was dunking pitchers into the water and just pouring water for all the kids like <laughs> it was you so, would think that this would have been better done it was so bad I was so so, so I was so glad there, to get back from I was so bad, glad to get back from camp that day listeners out there do not send your children to any kind of uh, it was it camp was, like this this is I don't know if, awful I don't know if it was if it's still around well but the base I, is closed so. it, well it was closed when I went it was called the St. Michael's I know it's abandoned now oh okay so. it was called the St. Michael's Boys Camp I think or St. Michael's Catholic Boys Camp I think St. Michael's something or other <laughs> awful awful <laughs> definitely the worst camp experience well, I ever got, had I had some great camp experiences until 7th uh, grade when I was asked very nicely to leave put your pants back on probably no no it was uh, it was the story that I was telling before uh, was that last week or a couple weeks ago uh, the story I told about being asked to leave uh, church camp and uh, my dad had to drive four hours up to oh yeah yeah Lake yeah Hume to pick me up <laughs> and then and then drive me oh it was the last week I think we were talking about yeah it. yeah so uh, I know that's like a big side tangent we just went on because summer camp is such an iconic thing and and that is part of I think the nostalgia that this show taps into oh yeah in a way that hey dude could never do because people don't go like kids don't kids will go away to a summer camp kids don't necessarily go away to, to like, work on a dude ranch or to a ranch camp like yeah and that was the difference too is that hey dude was about the the staff of the camp. And salute your shorts were about the kids, kids that at were at the camp. So it's more, it's a more relatable uh, group of people for kids. Number one, and then number two, you know, the old west is not popular anymore, and and camp is sort of a you could pick it up and drop it off in any era. Yeah, and, and it would be sort of like fairly recognizable. You'd have some dated stuff with the computer stuff and the phones and stuff, but you know. Well, and also Hey Dude is very very much like from a specific location. It is very much the American Southwest. You cannot say that it's anywhere else because that's well, that's and Arizona most New probably didn't know that that this Camp Onawana was filmed there. When they were watching it, they probably would have had no idea. Yeah, no, that's what I mean is that Hey Dude is specifically the American Southwest. It's 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 uh, New Mexico, Arizona, Southern California. To an extent. Like, that's but where it ca- is. But Camp Onawana could have been anywhere. It could have been in Michigan. It could have been in Florida. It could have been in Nebraska. It could have been anywhere. So anywhere in the Sierras or yeah. upstate New York. I mean, it really could be just about anywhere. It's a super generic any camp yeah. that has a lake somewhere. And I think that that's, that that sort of lends itself to being a, a lot more relatable than some of the other shows that we cover on. Yeah, because how many, like I said, how many kids go to to a sleepaway uh, cowboy camp and how many kids go to just sleepaway summer camp probably way more go to the sleepaway summer camp which yeah it also helped that well let's get into the let's get into who was on the show and then we can talk about why i think this show succeeded a lot better than hey dude did yeah so we have a narrator jordan g smith i couldn't find much information on him and i can't remember the narrator ever was uh, that from the pilot? I think it was just from like one or two episodes. Yeah, because I don't, I don't recall a narrator. Maybe, maybe, yeah, maybe it was in episodes that we didn't watch. It might have been. I'm sure he was there. It just... Yeah, I feel like that. I would argue that one of the most prominent characters is actually the character that we're going to talk about now, which is Kevin Lee, played by Kirk Bailey, and they nicknamed him Ugg because he's 
ugly. Ha ha. Get it? And I remember that. I remember that. I remember an episode, and I don't know if it was a flashback or if I actually saw the pilot because the character of Ugg was in the pilot and he was more in the pilot. He was more of like an authoritarian, like nasty. That's when they came up with the ugly thing. It's in the pilot. Okay, so I have seen the pilot then. Because we watched the pilot today for for this. It's in the assigned episodes that we watched. You the, put it in the list. There's a. It's a different show. It's a different show. I mean, it's a different episode. The actual pilot of the show. The the first episode is the first episode, but there's an actual. Oh, okay. There's an actual then pilot. I got confused. Yeah. Then. Okay. No. So there's an actual pilot that we we talked about that was aired in 1990 that only had the only characters that we would recognize or the only actors that we would recognize is the guy that played Ugg, the guy that played, the kid that played uh, Budnick, and the kid that played Donkey Lips. Okay, and then I'm turned around because I, I for some yeah. reason, thought that the pilot and the first episode were the same thing. But... Yeah, and in the pilot, and we'll talk about these characters in a minute, in the pilot, Budnick and Donkey Lips characters are sort of swapped, where Donkey Lips is the bully and Budnick is his lackey. Yeah, and which so, actually, I, it the way that they ended up rewriting it, it works so much better. Well, they rewrote it because between 1990 and 1991, when the show came out, the uh, the guy who played Budnick had a growth spurt. Went well, it puberty. was also his personality. They said yeah. he was like very sort of he was, charismatic. Yeah. And they thought that it was like the perfect fit for that character that they wanted to have. Yeah. So the character of Ugg, I remember, and I, I can't remember if it was the pilot or if it was another episode that I'm just remembering. Because I know it happens in the first episode where they start chanting ugly, ugly. Uh-huh. But I remember I remember an uh, an episode where he's saying, like, my name is Kevin Lee. And then someone goes, Kevin Lee? More like ugly. And that must be from the pilot. It must be. Because I remember that, like, like clear as day. I remember that line. Yeah, and then they all start chanting it. ugly, ugly, we'll ugly. Find it. Huh. Very but, weird. Yeah, the character of Kevin or Ugg, which he's referred to at by basically all of the uh, all of the other characters, he they call him Ugg. He is the uh, the camp counselor uh, for all the main characters. There, I'm sure there's other camp counselors. He's just the only one they really show. Yeah, he's the only one, and he's played by Kirk Bailey, who's been in shows like NYPD Blue and Felicity and Beverly Hills 90210. I put the Star Trek thing in here because I knew you would knew you would know. <laughs> yeah. He's Seven of Nine's dad, Magnus. Yeah. And actually he's he's a fairly prominent voice actor. He's done a mm-hmm. lot of he's done a lot a of animation. Of stuff in here. He was in Big Hero Six, Frozen, he was in Hotel Transylvania, he was in Oh My Goddess the movie. Cowboy Bebop, both the show and the movie itself, but they're two different characters. Mm-hmm. He was Million Knives and Trigun and a bunch of characters from Ghost in the Shell standalone complex and he was in several Gundam series and that's really what he does now is he is a voice actor he is fair, he is a like in demand voice actor for a lot of animation it's yeah crazy how I that went works. and looked for some of the stuff that he's done cuz I was like it I forgot mm-hmm. you know and and yeah he does he's a good voice actor he's he's pretty talented the next character is ZZ Ziff and it's played by Megan Berwick and this was really her only acting role her character is a sort of um, her character is a sort of like hippy dippy sort of flighty type character mm-hmm. who is like into saving the environment and being vegetarian and a very sort of stereotypical and the actress Megan Berwick uh, currently works for the government of Haiti and she works for a social protection company to assist mothers sending their kids to school 
And there is a, uh, she did do a single guest role before she did this on Full House, but that's about it. I put a link to a 2012 interview with her that I watched uh, this morning because like, hey dude, I spent more time on this than I probably should have. Yeah, I think uh, that I think that video clip that, uh, that you have in there is from a, uh, it was a message that she, there was a, there was a, a, a Salute Your Shorts reunion in 2012 and she couldn't make it. So she sent a video to in her place to say it was it was there was an event at kamikaze in 2012 yeah so uh she put that video out there in response to and i and i believe that they had questions and and things that they asked her throughout the video yeah um i remember reading in an interview with her that she said that the that the character she played of zz that there wasn't a whole lot of difference between her and her character. They right. were all very. They were the, both of them were very very similar. So yeah. she didn't really have to act all that much. She just sort of played herself. Right. And and she uh, I, in the interview she mentioned that she loved working on the show. It was like one of the happiest times of her childhood. Actually, was the time she spent on the show. And I from some of the other things that I saw, that seemed to be a running thing for most oh, of yeah. the cast. Absolutely, uh, including the 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 actor who played Ugg, uh, Kirk Bailey. He also really enjoyed his time on the show. Everybody seemed to have a really good time working on this. Well, so to much... be fair, like the people on Hey Dude did, they all liked working on the show together. Yeah, and they all well, most of them I think became kind of lifelong friends, and to the point where uh, the the actor, and we'll get to him in a minute, the actor who played Budnick actually had two of the cast members in his wedding. They were also in a band that he formed. They were they in a were. band together, which. Uh, I didn't put any of the information about that in there, but but we can talk about it if you want to. Yeah. So well, let's move on to the next character, who is uh, Donkey Lips. Uh, the actual character's name is Eddie Gelfin, uh, but everyone calls him Donkey Lips, and he's played by Michael Bauer. Uh, he made his film debut in 1988 in the movie Moonwalker with Michael Jackson. Yes. Uh, he had character roles in Tales from the Crypt, Doogie Howser, MD, Friends, The X-Files. one in Friends, by the way, is the episode where it's a flashback sequence to to Monica and all of them at prom. And his character was her date to prom. Oh, back when Monica was big and fat? Yeah, bi- big Monica. Yeah. Whatever, yeah. Uh, he was also in CSI, Bones, Monk, uh, Raising Hope, and he did voice work for Halo 3, ODST, Red Dead Redemption, and the Star Wars MMO, The Old Republic. And his character starts out as a, uh, he starts out as a bully. He's a, he's a lackey to the other bully, but he's a bully in his own right. In the beginning. In the beginning, but he sort of, he sort of morphs into... At a, some point, sort of comic relief. Yeah, he he and does a lot later, of falls and later stuff. Later, he sort of just becomes like the big fat friend who does a lot, who does all of those sort of comic relief things. But he's less of the bumbling idiot than he is in the first half of the first season. Yeah, because by the time we get to the second season, it's more that like, hey, here's the fat guy. Let's make a fat joke about how he wants to eat popcorn. But yeah. like, he it's all his character sort of self aware at yeah. the same time. Absolutely. Uh, in the Dina episode. Uh, he's fully self-aware that, that she didn't want to go. That to she the didn't want to go him. with him, and that he's a laughingstock, and that he's seen as an idiot. But it's it's like his character has this clarity that you wouldn't expect. Yeah. The next character is Telly Radford. She is like really, really into sports, and 
like she's always about basketball and baseball and like she hates dancing and she's like dresses anything dresses. that makes her girly yeah and and she's played by venus de milo she's an african-american actress who was in things like uh, family matters and sister sister she was she actually had a sort of reoccurring role actually on both of those shows casey from family matters and rochelle from sister sister she now spends her time behind the camera uh, after a film degree from Loyola Marymount, she she does production and film work. And I have to say that the the one character I had a crush on as a kid uh, is Dina, but as an adult, Venus de Milo is super hot. <laughs> yeah, not that uh, it, not that it matters, but man, not that it matters, not that but, it matters, but really all the all the girls, like, you know, all I the girls from this show turned out to be just smoking really attractive. Hot. And I, and like, for me, arguably, like, she is probably, arguably the, the hottest one. And I, I just like, I hadn't come back and looked any of these people up. It's like, yeah, who are these people? Where do they come from? And it's like, you know, people will change over time and you go, wow, okay, like you grew into your body. Yeah. Uh, which, uh, makes, speaking of which. It makes me feel good about all, all the crushes I had on all of them. I know. <laughs> I'm like. Makes you feel bad about all my, uh, my food choices. <laughs> speaking yeah. of which. We can talk about the next character who was Sponge, the sort of nerdy, picked-on character, because yeah. he became, like, a super attractive, buffed-out dude, too. Yeah. And it's weird, like, the nerdy characters, like, end up going the opposite direction. Yeah, so you know? uh, Eugene Sponge Harris. You actually never hear his name, Eugene. He's always referred to as Sponge. I think there's, like, deleted scenes where they, they say Eugene, but in the course of the show, you never actually hear his name. He's played by Trevor Eister. Uh, but but his in the show, his name is Tim Eister. Yeah, in the show, he's credited as Tim Eister. And uh, the reason that his name is different is now is that in 1996, he won a court case to emancipate himself from his parents. And then a couple of years later, he he legally changed his name to Trevor. I'm sure there was some. Uh, I didn't take the time to look up what the what the. Uh, the court case was, but I'm sure that there was some bad blood, probably monetary issues between him and his parents, which is why he wanted to emancipate himself. Yeah. And he did. That tends to be what it going is. Going back into acting uh, a few years ago after taking a 21 year break from acting. So he was on Bones and, and actually he had a rather sad documentary featuring himself and his disabled aunt and the story of her abuse by an in-home caregiver and exploring sort of uh, that entire world, which I, I know people have done that for a living. It's a, it's a, it's a complicated and sad world. And, and uh, apparently it's supposed to be a pretty good documentary. So yeah, and, his character in the show is that just stereotypical nerd. You usually see him in the background on an old uh, Macintosh laptop from like the 80s. He has a computer club and he's announcing his club by saying live long and prosper. Oh, and he's God, wearing that, a, a hat like covered in tinfoil. Yeah, that made me like, cringe so much when he did that. But but uh, the all the other campers, well, the ones that we interact with, uh, they all like him for the most part. Uh, he's in the same cabin as Budnick and Donkey Lips. They and then the two interchangeable other guys. Yeah, the two interchangeable of, main characters. Yeah. Maybe uh, I don't know. I, I guess well, I would have to go back and see how that changeup happened. But but the first episode, the pilot enters in with this character named Michael, and I guess we can skip ahead to him and talk about him for yeah. a second. But he uh, Michael comes to camp. Or Michael, Michael Stein. Yeah. So Michael is uh, this character who, in season one, episode one, shows up to camp and is sort of made fun of by and picked on by Donkey Lips and uh, Budnick or Buddy. And they 
they steal his underwear out of his suitcase and ring it up the flagpole, hence the name Salute Your Shorts. Yeah. Right? Uh, I think it's a sort of, like, play on the title of the book. Mm-hmm. And he's played by Eric MacArthur, by the way. Uh, he was Will in Pleasantville, and um, he directed Bottoms Up with Jason Mewes and Paris Hilton. And there's a good interview I put in here of him, too, where they ask him questions at a convention. But, but his character <coughs> shows up at camp and is sort of... I guess consoled by by Sponge, yeah. Who kind of takes him under his wings, like, "Hey, I'll show you where this is. I'll show you where that is." They become friends, and by him becoming friends with the nerd uh, Sponge, that sort of makes him the target of abuse. But I think in later episodes, he uh, they sort of have this sort of working relationship, if you will. Mm-hmm. But because he comes in, and all the girls think he's cute and attractive, he, he's absolutely like the. It's just like in Hey Dude, where the first episode and the first scene were introduced to Ted. That's why I think that Michael was supposed to be the main character of this show before it turned into like a more ensemble cast. A yeah. little bit because I think they had an idea of what they wanted to do and then they changed it as they went. Yeah, and that's that's uh, that is fairly common with uh, with the show creator Steve Slavkin. Um, he changed a lot of things based on what went on, what happened, what was like, what the character interaction was. He yeah. was, he seemed to be fairly uh, fairly like flexible when it came to production or characters or rewrites or writing or whatever and he would just change things and write in things write out things just depending on how they played out michael was it's it's interesting to note too that michael started out as a rival to budnick who like we said was the camp bully um he stood up to him he wanted to like like throw things in his face like he wanted to get him back for a lot of the stuff so he was very much like a rival to him and yeah, a lot of the, at least two of the three girls in the show expressed interest in him. And especially too with Dina, aside from Michael, she doesn't really, she doesn't really, because uh, she's, you know, the hot popular one. She doesn't really express interest in really any of the other guys, except the guys all want her, but she doesn't want any of them but Michael. And Michael rebuffs her. He's like, no, 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 I'm not interested in doing anything with you. Well, he's sort of irritated and annoyed by her. Really. Oh yeah, he is. Yeah. He, he gets along better with Telly than he does with, uh, with yeah. Dina. Well, I mean, it would have been a smart smart move considering how hot yeah. she got. Yeah. But uh, speaking of Dina, Dina Alexander is played by Heidi Lucas, and she also was in the TV show Hypernauts. If you saw Hypernauts, she was in that. She was Max Matsuda. But she left acting in 1998, and now she's an attorney in Arizona. Yeah, and she actually, her story is... She did, between this and retiring, she did, like, commercials, and she did, like, one-shots on certain, like, TV shows, TV and shows. Stuff. yeah. But she actually, I, f- I feel kind of bad for her because her character in this show, which was the one that made her famous, her character in this show was, like like I said, she was rich, she was stuck up, uh, she was kind of mean to everybody, you know, she was mean to her, the other girls in her cabin, she was mean to the, to the boys, she was especially mean to Donkey Lips uh, for m- most of one of the episodes that we watched. And she actually got teased a lot and she got you know bullied because of of the characters she played because i think she kind of got typecast so 
one, one of the reasons that she dropped out of acting was because she couldn't take it anymore. And she was getting bullied at school. So I think her last year of high school, she had to be homeschooled before she went to college because she was getting bullied so much by the other kids at school because of her characters. You know, it's like, it's, it's people who can't separate the character from the actor. You know, I think Lena Headley gets a little bit of that from Game of Thrones because she plays Cersei and a lot of people just shit all over her because she's Cersei and she's, she takes it in stride because she's like, I'm an actress. But like, there are people out there that cannot separate the character from the actor yeah, and they'll treat, it actually happens all the time. Yeah, and they'll treat the all actor the terribly because they don't like the character they play. And they don't realize. I mean, think... Going if back, anything, that means that that actor or actress did a good job. Oh, yeah. think Because if a character is supposed to be irritating or is supposed to be evil... And or you, supposed to make you mad. Supposed to make you mad. And you feel that way about the actor or actress as a result... Then that person did a pretty damn good job. Yeah, I think that of, means that that they accomplished what what the writers wanted them to accomplish, and uh, you need to grow up. That's basically what that what that means. Yeah, think because of, it's just somebody doing a job. Think of Jack Gleason from Game of Thrones. He's the one oh, that played Joffrey. Yeah. Everybody hated Jack Gleason, Same, which is because I heard that he's actually like a nice. He's super kid. nice. Same thing with the kid that played Malfoy from uh, Harry Potter. Oh yeah, he's super nice. Everybody loves the actor, but like I'm sure that there was a lot of like hate driven towards him because he played Malfoy and in... he was on Flash for a while. I don't. I kind of dropped away from that show. I don't know if he's still on there or not, but but he was on there and and it was interesting because when he when he came on, even just the I feel like. The writers themselves wrote him even as like a character to be hated. Well, he he's good at it. He's good at getting hated, so it makes right. sense. But I mean, at least on that show, on Flash, his character became like more complicated and whatever. But yeah, I just I feel bad when that happens to people because especially when it happens to kid actors. Yeah, it shouldn't. It shouldn't, but it especially does. with kids. Yeah, you know, leave kids alone. Speaking of bullies, why don't we jump to? Uh... The drop down, yeah, way because down to Bobby we, Budnick. We, yeah, we've talked about him a bunch. So uh, Bobby Budnick is played by Danny Cooksey, and Danny Cooksey is actually he's done a lot yeah, of work. I was going to say a very abridged version in here. Yeah, I was going to say out of all the all the out of all the actors in this show, he's probably done the most screen work. He's been in a lot of things. He's done the most screen work, probably. Yeah. He might not be the most famous, but I bet, you know, even then, I think he no, might No, I actually... think he's the most. Yeah. He's... I don't think he is. Really? No. I'll, we'll get into it. Okay. But yeah, I think, I, I would make an argument that he's maybe not the most famous, but he's on his... He's, he's definitely, like, top two, probably. He's known. Yeah. Yeah, so he was Sam McKinney on Different Strokes for three seasons. The last three seasons. Actually, was a major character. And he voiced Montana Max in Tiny Toon Adventures. He was John Connor's friend tim and t2 judgment day and he's had acting roles on shit static shock and uh shallon showdown and was the title character in dave the barbarian which is like a short-lived uh, series yeah and we talked about when we talked about freakazoid yes we did and when his character is uh, i think i think he does a really great job i feel like he sort of steals the scene uh in a lot of the stuff that he does and a lot of the stuff that yeah, he's in. his yeah. character starts out as a generic bully and in the first scene that we see him, he steals Michael's uh, bag, takes his shorts, and runs him up the flagpole. And he's sort of antagonistic to basically everyone. He's mean to people. But that's in the, like, the first half of the first season. And then after that, he's like he's still kind of a jerk. But they're but he's, friends with him. He's a jerk that they're all friends with. It's sort of like he's that one friend that, that is kind of an asshole. But well, he's your asshole. I was going to wait to bring this up, but maybe we'll bring it up. Um, 
for those of you who have done sleepaway camp, there is that one or two kids or a couple of kids who are bullies, mm-hmm. right? I mean, that dynamic exists. If you're a if you're if you're a little a hole at school, you're going to be a little a hole when you go to camp. Yeah, and you'll just bully people because you bully people before, and that's all you know. But I feel like at least in summer camp, the environment sort of changes because you are trapped with each other all the time. Yeah, and in some ways, you depend on each other, and you deal you're sleeping next to these people and eating next to these people and showering next to these people. And you essentially, after a week or two, that's it. I mean, you no longer hate each other. At least the first or second time uh, away at a camp. Yeah. And I think that sort of the lines blur a little bit. The bully will still be a bully because whatever troubled home life that they have at home. That's their personality. They're going to act like that, but you either don't care anymore or you call them out on their bullshit. And you sort of have a, like I mentioned, working relationship with them. Yeah. That sort of, I was always the kid who was like mercilessly bullied. Yeah. And, and I had a bully that, because uh, I went to church camp with the ch- camps that I did. And there was a, one or two kids who were sort of bullies when when I was a kid at church. And once we went off to church camp, they tried to continue that. And it sort of like melted away because I discovered girls and then I had made new friends. And then like nobody cared and the kid like realized that he had no effect on me. And then the other people would call him on it. And then, then it's sort of, it's like there's still a dick. Mm-hmm. But it's less of a problem. And so I feel like that I mean, that character arc, it, it for me, it made sense. It makes total sense how to often, see that change. How often have you had a friend that when you introduced that friend, because I used to be that friend. Uh, That's how, true. You how, did. You used to be how that friend. Often, I will vocalize that 100%. How often did you have, a, have you had a friend that when you introduced them to someone that they don't know... Uh, you have to say, okay, he might sound, he might be kind of a jerk, but just get to know him. He's, he's okay. Yes. Actually that a hundred, I would say that is a hundred percent you. In fact, when, <laughs> I'm a lot better now. No, no, I'm no. A lot better well, it's now. not just that. It's like you, you're a big guy, you know, you're, yeah. you're six, four and you're uh, sort of loud and boisterous and intimidating. And so I used to not care what anybody thought about I mean, you anything. St- you still don't, but, but I'm I, a little bit more tactful. To, yeah. You're a little more tactful now, but I, re- especially if it was like on a, something related to politics, like you would just engage yeah. and like, it was scorched earth policy for <laughs> you. Was. And you know, it, you didn't necessarily jive with everybody that you came in contact with. Not it, at all. Not especially not going to school in Long Beach. Well, and then you and I even sometimes still, yeah. but I don't have, you know, I get along with whatever. So, but I would warn people be like, you know, Sean, he's going to come across as a little bit of a dick, but just sit there. It's like, don't bring up politics and you'll get along just great. And eventually you'll <laughs> be fine. And then, and it's, and then after a while people are like, Oh, you know what? He's not a dick. It's yeah. just like, it's initial first impression. It's the, it's That's the all. Bobby, it's the Bobby Budnick, character arc and we all know someone that's gone through it <laughs> yeah i mean you were you're not a bully no uh, the way his character is but you know it's just some people have a hard time with first impressions yeah uh, initially and i think over time that that changes let's let's well, mention before we before we ahead. move on from him uh danny cooksey is pretty interesting because he is a he's also a musician uh during the time that he was in this show he had and we've talked about this before we've talked about this this band before he had his band Bad for Good, who was touring or opening for Damn Yankees in the early '90s, around the time when the show they was were a coming. glam metal band. Yeah, they were they were absolutely because they were they were like Aerosmith at the time and and all those other bands that had lead singers with long hair and and fancy outfits. 
but he he was an actual musician. He played guitar. He was a lead singer in his band. Well, he was the singer in Bad for Good, mm-hmm. and he was also in some. He put a super group together called Sheriff that actually was uh, consisting of him and Blake Sennett, who we'll talk about in a minute, and Michael Bauer. Uh, and his uh, former bandmate uh, Zach Young from Bad for Good, and they put Sheriff together, and it and it sort of didn't go anywhere. Yeah, but, um, he also wrote some songs with Steve Vai, who is not for nothing a pretty damn important musician himself. Well, Steve Vai helped start Bad for Good. Yeah, so he did have a sort of semi-significant uh, musical uh, history, if you will. And with that said, that transitions us into the next character. Really the last, well, no, not the last character, but yeah, the next character. Yeah, it's the next character, which is uh, Ronnie, or Ronald Foster Pinsky, who appears in season two, and I honestly have no recollection of where he came from. I remember, okay, so here's here's where he comes from. The reason that the the act- I mean, because we watched the episode sort of disjointed, so it was like, yeah. I watched a couple episodes from season one, and then all of a sudden, the actor in season, he's in season two, and Michael's gone. So what, what happens is, in at the end of season one, the actor who played Michael decided that he wanted to focus on school. He didn't want to be an actor anymore, at least not right now. More likely his parents wanted him to focus yeah, on school. Yeah, so, so he dropped out of acting and he focused on high school. And so the the character in the show was written out by getting chicken pox, I believe. So his, his character got chicken pox and had to be sent home for the summer. And that allowed them to introduce Pinsky, who is or Ronnie? Yeah, Ronnie or Pinsky, depending on who was talking to him. It allowed them to introduce Ronnie, and Ronnie was just—he uh, was just sort of a substitute character that started at the beginning of. I gotta season be honest, two. though. He's way—I mean, he's—he is way more uh, charismatic and energetic than Michael's character was, and it, and it makes sense why because the two characters are very different in terms of. Like in terms of their, their Michael was sort character. of like the reluctant, uh, like he, he didn't want to be there. He didn't want to be there. He was going to make the best of it, right? And but, the girls liked him, but he was like not interested. Yeah, Ronnie's character actually ends up, I think, becoming best friends with Budnick. Like the two of them get along great. Well, they sort of form a sort of working relationship, yeah, and, which then bridges the gap to the relationship with the girls. Yeah, and because he's also popular with the girls. And I think that the reason, too, that you find Ronnie to be more charismatic and just more appealing is that he's actually the oldest one out of all of them. At the time mm-hmm. that they started filming for season two, he was a couple of a couple of weeks or maybe a month or two short, short of his 19th birthday. Uh, he was born in 73, whereas most of the other characters, or most or of the other 75, actors... 75, 78, 79. Yeah, somewhere yeah. around there. So he was he was by far the oldest of the kids. He wasn't older than Ugg, but he was by far the oldest of the kids. And he, the show actually sort of typecast him as a teenager because the uh, the actor who is Blake Soper. Well, his um, name is Blake Sennett, but yeah. at the time he went as Blake Soper and at other times he went as Blake Swenson. It's like one of those Hollywood things where people would have to change their name. Well, here's here's so why, that... and I, I tell people this all the time, and I don't know if it's still the same, it's still the rule, but at the time I was, or, you know, a bunch of years ago, I was dating a girl who had a cousin who was an actor in Hollywood. And he told us 
that he had to change his name because his last name was some one thing and he had to change his last name and he was asking around to his family what last name his should be for his stage name and he said that it was because in SAG in the Screen Actors Guild you can't have the same screen name as another actor so if your name is Joe Smith but there's already a Joe Smith active SAG member who is who is making films and is credited as Joe Smith you cannot be Joe Smith so that's why people I don't will... think that's the case anymore because uh, I think now you know people have the internet so well, people it, it, will go by a quote stage name but then nobody uses it anymore they'll be like their stage name is this but they go by this and so then they just you know, well, that's why that's why in the stage name thing, I think, is slowly going away. Well, it was it was and that's why I say I don't know if it's still the rule, but at the time and this would probably make sense because at the time, uh, that's why you had a lot of actors who would throw their middle initial in because you know, Michael J. Fox, Samuel L. Jackson, because that differentiated them from the other Michael Fox and Samuel Jackson that was already in SAG. So their screen name was different. Well, the other thing, too, is if there are five people named Blake Sennett, you don't want to be Blake Sennett. You exactly. want to be Blake Soper so yeah. that people know who the hell you are. Yeah, and that's I think that was part of the reason why SAG did that is because you wanted to be sure that if you saw Blake Sennett, that there was only one Blake Sennett that you were going to attribute that to, not you know Blake Sennett the the character actor or Blake Sennett, the like leading man or whatever. With that said, Blake Sennett is the person I would argue is the most famous from this show because he was the lead guitarist for Rilo Kylie and dated the front woman, Jenny Lewis for several years. And he's actually the lead singer and guitarist for the elected. He also actually happened to have some roles on boy meets world, but one of the other bandmates from Rilo Kylie, uh, Pierre de Reeder, went to high school with him down in uh, San Diego at La Jolla High School. Mm -hmm. So he has had a pretty significant uh, musical career. And he has had several singles and compilation albums and for a while was with The Night Terrors of 1927. And he's actually produced albums. And so I would argue that he is the most famous. But I, I think he does a great job with his character. Yeah, he does. I, and I think it's sort of a shame he doesn't do more more acting. Well, the reason that he stopped doing acting is because he got typecast as a uh, as a high school kid. When he was doing Boy Meets World, he was in his like early 20s or mid 20s and he was still being cast as uh, as a as a high school kid as one of I think Sean's friends in the show. So it's like he just got he got sick of it and he was Joey the Rat Epstein. Yeah. So he got sick of he got sick of being typecast and I I mean, I've never been an actor, but I can understand how frustrating that can be if you want to sort of expand your horizons when it comes to acting and you just keep getting put into the same roles over and over and over. And yeah. he's, he's a he's a damn good mu musician anyway, and he was getting probably more money and more notoriety from doing that than he was any acting he was doing. Yeah, that, I mean, that's probably the case. Yeah. So so the the last character is Dr. Khan. Uh he is the camp owner and he is played by the show creator Steve Slavkin. And Dr. Khan is the disembodied voice. Yeah, you never see him. It's just a voice that you hear over the loudspeaker. It's kind of like in MASH when you hear the the person announcing like Chopper's incoming, everyone to the whatever. Like you never see him and you don't ever find out really what he's a doctor of. And I remember reading in an interview with Kirk Bailey who plays Ugg that he claimed that Dr. Khan was a I think an orthopedist 
or an orthodontist. Maybe that's what it was. He was, I think, a dentist or something. But Who also the, happened to run a camp. Yeah, a, a camp okay. in the summer. You know, uh, and there was a character that I think that they were going to introduce in season three, or maybe they were introducing, but it got cut out. Uh, that was going to be Dr. Khan's niece. I think her name was going to be Samantha. Yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah, so there was a, there was a bunch of like behind the scenes stuff where things got things got cut. There were some fun things from this show that uh, that the uh, that the creator Steve Slavkin would throw in because he did he you know had a lot of influence on the writing and such where he would do and you and I thought about it when you mentioned like Platoon and and uh, and uh, Rambo First Blood that it, for being filmed in the same area he actually would throw in lines that sometimes would get cut sometimes wouldn't that to have the characters say like there was a game of uh, there was an episode where they were playing a game of capture the flag and this scene was cut but donkey lips at one point was like i guess he popped up and he said they drew first blood and then he cut that out because he thought maybe that it was oh that's a too, shame he, they thought it was too violent for for uh, a nickelodeon show to say to say that there were some other sh- like scenes in the in the show where they reference stuff like platoon and old movies there was like little nods here and there where they would where they would reference or directly quote old movies and they were just sort of fun nods that were you know if you missed it you'd like if you weren't paying attention you'd miss it well as a, a good example of that there were hidden there was a hidden rubber chicken with a cigarette in its mouth in every single episode of the show and i knew about that and i didn't look for it ever it's like that. It's like that hidden character in Freakazoid. The uh, I forget the character's name, but it's like the short one that's like got the permanent smile on his face. It has hair all spiked out. Uh huh. Like that character. Or like the ev- hidden Mickey store at Disneyland. I mean, we grew up here, so like we could just like you just know where they are. Yeah. But like you don't think about them. You don't walk on every ride. And go, oh, where's the hidden Mickey? Not unless like, you're being a jerk about it. Yeah. Then do you know where the hidden Mickey is in this ride? <laughs> I do. Yeah. Where you ride Winnie the Pooh and you're like, hey, you know where the heads are? And like what? The, the moose heads from Country oh. Bear Jamboree. Yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. So there's there's actually a bunch of like interesting stuff about that. The like the budget, for instance, at the time was a hundred thousand dollars per episode, and mm-hmm. the season two budget went up to one hundred fifty thousand dollars per episode because of new contracts. And I uh, I think that that might be speculation. I couldn't find any proof for that. Mm-hmm. And. Another piece of speculative uh, trivia is that the cast had four official food fights. Um, I don't know, again, if that's true or not either. Um, But Michael Bauer's line, this thing just came apart, that was accidental improv because he was sitting there, he was sitting there fiddling with it, with the, uh, not it. Uh, He's fiddling with the, the... Fiddling with the fishing pole. Yeah. And he goes, this thing just came apart. And they happened to record it, and so they put that in and substituted that in as one of the lines, which ends up working out perfectly. It's a super memorable part of the of the opening credits. Yeah, the the show I think to me, and it it is such a stark comparison between this show and Hey Dude, because Hey Dude was a show that was was really Nick, one of Nickelodeon's first forays into like scripted teen sitcom, I guess. And in a lot of ways, it failed. It failed on, you know, it failed on the characterization. It failed on the writing. It, it, it just, it didn't, it didn't do well in what it was trying to do. I feel like Nickelodeon learned, and really, I, I can't say it's Nickelodeon because it's Steve Slavkin who, who put this thing together for them. But 
really it's sort of the antithesis of hey dude is salute your shorts because salute your shorts was so much better it was so much more like laser focused on the kids on the stuff that mattered yeah the stuff that mattered to kids it could re- you could relate to kids on a on a on a on a like a kid level and it was entertaining as an adult as a 35 year old adult watching it you know 20 some odd years later 24 25 years later 26 27 years later oh geez um it was entertaining there was some definite parts where i was laughing out loud at some of the stuff that was going on like it was it was solid writing the acting was was a lot better i mean i'm sure it helped that a lot of these episodes that we ended up watching are the highest rated well yeah and but when you looked at imdb there wasn't a lot of low rated episodes i actually picked one of the lowest rated episodes i think it was uh i think it was the the um for reference, by the way, the episodes we watched were Season 1, Episode 1, uh, it's rated as a 8.2, Michael Comes to Camp. Season 1, Episode 2, Zeke the Plumber, 8.8, I think it's one of the highest. Sponge Goes to the Movies, which is Season 2, Episode 8, another 8.8. The Cursed Skull, 7.7, Season 2, Episode 5, and Donkey Lips' Crush on Dina, 8.2, that's Season 1, Episode 11. Um, I think the the cursed skull was one of the lower rated ones. But, really, but even then, th- that's what I'm saying is there aren't. I mean, this wow. is IMDb and this is user ratings, so there aren't a lot of low rated salute your shorts episodes. I don't think there's an episode below a seven in that in that in the entirety of the series. So, yeah, I don't I don't know. So there 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 is a lot of there's a lot of fondness for this show, and I think it's because they created really memorable, really relatable stories. You know, you had yeah. you had uh you had the summer camp like romances, you had making yeah. friends, you had like adventures and stuff that, that you would go on that you and always I would, wanted to go on. I would on. argue too that the sort of feel of what was allowed and what wasn't on this show is different from Hey Dude. Hey Dude was very it was almost saccharinely sweet in yeah. some ways. And this, I wouldn't say is gritty because it's not, but it was more like, um, more realistic. It was more, I guess, realistic, complicated, more complex humor in some ways. Uh, they were making fun of characters. Uh, people were getting picked on. It wasn't nice and shiny and neat. I'll put yeah. it that way. It wasn't nice and shiny and neat. Yeah. And the and, characters weren't, I mean, even though the characters all occupied a very much like caricature role, like you can you can name it, it's that game. They you, would deviate some and yeah. have interaction. Well, I was, was going to say it's like that game you play with uh, with characters, like and and some I forget who did it, but someone famously did it with uh, the pre, the original trilogy Star Wars and the prequel trilogy Star Wars, where you say without describing without describing them or without saying their name or their job, describe these characters, and so they would say Han Solo, and you'd say oh oh he's he's brash but brave uh he is a he's a scoundrel but he's got a heart of gold and they go through all the characters and you'd have all these great characterizations of them right. and then they get to the prequel ones and everyone's like uh, he, you know anakin he's he's whiny um uh, and they like really struggled to like describe the characters without saying because that the he characters was a, aren't super fleshed out yeah and, and so in the, a way that they were in, so with that in mind yeah. I, it's the same thing like you know, Han Solo is a, he's a, uh, caricature. He's a caricature. And so is, so is Princess Leia is a caricature. And so is Luke Skywalker is a caricature. All the characters 
All the, but all they're the, clearly defined. Yeah, all the characters in Salute Your Shorts are very much caricatures. We described them at the beginning. You have the athletic girl, you have the hippie girl, you have the, the, nerd, the rich, the, the rich pris, and... the rich pris girl. Yeah, the nerd, the bully, the fat kid, and the sort of like Michael plays sort of the everyman role. Ish, yeah, and then later on, Ronnie sort of takes all, some of that. Yeah, but he's but also he, the prankster. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah he's the goofball. So. Yeah. You have these characters that that are very clearly defined in what they are, but they also, like you said, they go outside of that and they mm-hmm. make it seem like they're more like because you could have you could in your own group of friends have people who occupy those roles, like you have your nerdy friend and your athletic friend and your whatever friend, but that doesn't mean that that's all that they do. And throughout the course of the show, you get to know the characters more. And that was one of the main complaints we had about Hey Dude is that none of the characters had any depth. You didn't learn anything about them. But you learned stuff, at least, you didn't learn stuff about like where they lived or, or, or some of them you did, but you didn't learn like that type of stuff, but you learned more about who they were as people. Right. Which made them more relatable and you made made you like them more. So like you didn't care like what town they were from. Like, yeah, we could go back and tell you exactly where Brad, the town she was from, but like you don't know that much about her. Yeah. And that was part of the criticism that we talked about last week with Hey Dude that I don't have an issue with here. Conversely, though, Nickelodeon, uh, I think, actually had some issues with this show later on because... You know, the show had gone into syndication and... Like I said, up until like the late 90s. Yes. But Hey Dude is still in syndication via Nickelodeon. So why is a show that's worse with no awards still in syndication, but the better show with all the awards been out of syndication since 1998? So in 97, Nickelodeon reduced its syndicated uh, airings to weekends only and only aired one episode on Saturday and one on Sunday. And by February of 98, it was completely removed along with any of the other early 90s programming. That was like the small block that like, hey dude, was gone from Nickelodeon, but they brought it back. The new head of Nickelodeon at the time apparently wanted to change their image to a quote, more corporate and kid-friendly uh, feel. And they thought that... when I think corporate, I think kid-friendly. Right? <laughs> well, they they... Was that around the time that they got rid of the slime fountain too? Yeah, it was the late '90s, like when all that stuff started to change. And so, salute your shorts in particular was sort of single out, singled out as being quote too adult oriented. But see, this is the problem. That was the whole point of the show, which is crazy to me because, the, like, the whole point of Hey Dude and, and Salute Your Shorts and some of the other shows that we're going to talk about in the coming weeks were they were shows that were more geared toward an older audience. Well, see, I would argue that they're not. I would argue that they were shows that were geared towards kids that made them feel like they were adult audience. Yeah, I can see that. So, I mean, Salute Your Shorts, if you think about it, was really about high school kids. Yeah, it was. Like, because one of them talked about their junior prom. Oh, yeah. In season one. Yeah, Sponge had to take... Or his, season two. Yeah, Sponge so, had to take his bo- his dad's boss's daughter to their junior prom or something. Right. So so you're talking about junior prom in season in season two, which means that these are supposed to be high school kids. But we were like 10 years old, nine, eight years old when the yeah, show came on. The show, the show was very popular with kids age six to 11. Right. So the question is, is... Was it really geared towards older kids? I argue that it wasn't. And I don't... I think that's where people sort of miss the boat. This this show, and, and in fact, I think a lot of them, 
are the kinds of sort of wish fulfillment shows for younger kids where yeah. it makes them feel like, yeah, I'm mature and I'm cool and I want to be one of the older kids. Cause really the older kids, like they don't care. They're watching Jerry Springer or something, you know yeah. what I mean? Like they're doing something else, but, but the younger kids that want to be older and idealize the older kids, that's the difference. Yeah. That, that's could, totally the difference. I could see that. I could see that sometimes too. You have, you have shows that are, targeted by the by the studio at a certain age group and that age group just does not care yeah. or it attracts uh, it might attract that age group but it also attract another age group i think so one of the clearest examples of this that i can think of is the newest uh, iteration of the my little pony the friendship is magic okay one, yeah which that's was true ve- it was very clearly directed at young girls but it also attracted a, a, a like adolescent and and an teenage older, and older uh, twenty block. year old block of of guys that are are very passionate about the show. So you sometimes can't predict who is going to be attracted to your show. Well, we just talked about Freakazoid. Oh yeah, right. I mean, the predominant it had the group opposite people, problem. Yeah, it, instead of attracting the younger audience that they wanted, it was attracting older yeah. people who were twelve like, to fourteen year olds and twelve to 16. no, no, it's into adults. Uh, yeah. So and that's not what they wanted, and, and that's ended not what they wanted, causing so, the uh, the show to be canceled. I mean, maybe maybe that was the sort of accidental problem, but I think that that's when you are a studio and you see that happen, you don't then, know how to react. It's like, uh... but see, that's that's what I'm saying is the problem is is they don't know how to react, and part of this goes back to the hey, I'm 50 years old and I know what's cool for a 12 year old, yeah. <laughs> guys. Yeah, exactly. It's awesome. <laughs> cartilaginous like you know if they if they would just say hey look this is what kids want they want to be talked to like they're adults they want to have stories that are centered around their interests and their wish fulfillment and not what we think that they should be looking at yeah if we did that instead then the shows would be far more popular they probably would have ended up if they if they were sort of self-aware of that Mm -hmm. they probably wouldn't have tried to move it to orlando yeah they would have just let it stay here but they didn't figure it out oh fun side note uh trevor easter sponge picked up smoking from from donnie and and dina because they were both yeah, Ronnie. Rather. Ronnie and Dina, they because they were both in real life they were smokers. Uh, they were like teenage smokers back back in the good old days. I don't, when you I, could be like fifteen and smoking like no problem. Yeah, I had I had some friends that did that. I had a friend of mine who started smoking at nine. How? Uh, friends? You, brother? No. You just parents? You just saw his dad do it? Grab or something? it from a from a drugstore or? Yeah, that was back before there was a glass case for it too. Yeah, back when you could get it out of a vending machine. Ultimately, I don't think that this show could work today because I don't think that there's enough. I kids... think parents are too hypersensitive. Well, I don't think that there's enough kids that would be able to relate to it. No, see, I totally disagree. I think that kids, it would have to be reworked, of course. Because the the one that I but... think the one that I think is similar enough to it that works. But it's animated as Phineas and Ferb because that's the whole point of Phineas and Ferb is they're during summer vacation and they're doing all kinds of like crazy stuff during summer vacation. I just don't know if a show set in a summer camp that focuses like a live action show that's set in a summer camp. I uh, see. I, I I don't know if that could work. So here's the thing that that I think about because my my nephew is like the prime demographic that l- would have loved this show. My kid is four and a half, like love this show. I think in both of those cases, you've got, again, wish fulfillment. Mm-hmm. Because kids today 
by and large, are not left to their own devices very often and for very long. Most of their day is is planned out and scheduled. They don't get a whole lot of time to just do whatever do what they want when they want and the freedom to go and do that. I mean, talk about you know, talk about the camps today. You and I were ta- dis- discussing before. Camps today are either very expensive. Uh, or very expensive. Um, no, they're they're one. They're very expensive, and two, the kids' days are all sort of very very structured. micromanaged. Yeah, they're structured. It's like, well, we're gonna do computer programming in the morning, and then we're gonna do dirt bike racing, and then all this stuff. It's like, just send them out into the forest with a bow and arrow and go let them. By the way, you know? I, I wanted to bring this up. There, there was a, I want to say it was in Huntington Beach. I swear to God, it was in Huntington Beach, but there was a camp that I, it wasn't even a camp. It's like a day camp? Yeah, it was, it was something that you went to, you paid to get oh, in. Oh, I know what it is. It's called Adventure Playground. Yeah. Was it the big mud, mud putt? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So there was a, it was a, so there's a, we're here in, in Orange County and yeah. there was a local park called Adventure Playground. Yeah. And it was uh, a mud, like, so you would go in and the whole thing had a bunch of different, like it was all mud. Half of it was all mud where you would. You would do tug of war in the mud. You would do a zip line over a mud lake. You could like get on a little raft and pull yourself across a mud rip like lake. And they had like wood out to like do construction. You could build that was the that was the other half of it is that you could build like clubhouses and tree houses and stuff. And they would actually hand kids like I was probably twelve years old. They would hand you. A a, uh, a a wood saw and hammers and nails and they would say go be free right and I remember one of the last times that I went to that place a kid stepped on a nail and put a giant hole through his foot and they were like rushing him away but it was just like oh, okay it's no big deal and they'd rush him away and the mom just took him and I was like man that could never happen that could never happen again they wouldn't just give kids tools sharp tools to damage themselves they would never allow that you'd have to be signing waivers left and right you would like i couldn't imagine parents being cool with that either uh, like so that place has been reopened really yeah it's it's uh cuz i think it it was actually in irvine was it yeah because I used I I went there for a thing maybe for it was, school. Maybe it was in Irvine. So it was... so it was called the Venture Playground, and and they reopened it. It closed. It was closed for a while. They reopened it. It's now a public park with the city of Irvine. Hmm. And they had my I know because my sister uh, is a nanny, and she took some kids there that she nannies. But it's totally different now. The mud pit is still there. The mud pit's still there, but you don't see a whole lot of kids playing in it. But the mud pit is still there. I mean, it was a thing where you and would get have... completely covered, completely caked yes. in mud. And, and they would parents... do tug of war and, and all your, this stuff. And your parents would bring you another pair of clothes. To... And a towel. And, and a there's towel. a place with a hose. And they would you hose you off. And then they'd change you in by the car. Like, Man. that was the fun day. And it was fun as hell. It was the it best. Was so it was awesome. Fun. But the construction stuff is all gone. Yeah. As you would possibly imagine. Because people would construct these giant things and leave them there. So I I feel like that kind of stuff is exactly why, in some ways, I I get what you're saying about the show could never work. But I disagree because the park is still there. And kids want that sense of adventure and freedom. Kids need that my God, they need that. Yeah. And they're not getting it anymore. Virtual and, virtual reality camp. <laughs> well, you know what? I mean, I, I look, I'm a big old massive nerd who's currently like neck deep in a private World of Warcraft server. So I like, dude, I get it. Yeah. I get it completely. But the outside like adventure stuff, kids need 
freedom. Yeah. And so for parents to hover over their kid, I know I'm like, I'm on my soapbox now and it's my time. Okay. But, <laughs> but like you see parents hovering over their kid at the playground. It just annoys me so bad. And the idea of summer camp and like the sort of ideal of what this show sort just of hand, represented. Just handing over authority over their children to someone else. I don't see a whole lot of modern parents no doing that. No way. No way. I will say our generation, the sort of late millennials, because uh, we're technically millennials, right? We're 35. Zennials. Zennials, whatever. It's uh, millennial is the millennial. A zennial is the most millennialist thing to do <laughs> is create your own subcategory for yeah. your whatever. Yeah. Our generation is sort of starting to go back to the, hey, I don't need to hover over my kid and make them do SAT prep at 11 and accompany them to their job interview. By the way, all those things really happen now. It's nuts, but it does. But this show, I think in some ways, if if it was done right, if they wanted to redo it and do it on location so it's not on a set where it's obviously chintzy and weird. Yeah, but if they, they would have to it, do it on location. If they did it on location, and it could be done in some place where it's cheap to film, like Georgia or whatever. Beautiful, British Columbia. Yeah, what, like whatever. <laughs> so, I mean, God, I, I, I so much want my kid to experience that in the way that you and I did just camp in general, number one, because man, this show like made me so nostalgic for camp. I mean, it might be, it might be a way just for this kind of programming too. I was going to say, it might be a way for kids to sort of build up a desire to go do it because yeah. And that's my, I think that's really my hope. My hope is that they could redo this, retool it, bring it back. And that would spark a reinterest in, in camp. So Eleanor liked it, right? Eleanor loved the show. She loved the show. In fact, her did favorite she, did line she get, is... Did she get what was going on in it? Yeah. You know, she totally got it. Because I would ask her and she's like, oh, that's that's scary, but it's okay. They're just going to play a trick on him. <laughs> like the, the Zeke episode. Yeah, Zeke that, the plumber. That, that episode, I have like a lot of flashbacks to that yeah, episode. Yeah, I do I love that episode. I would, at the end of the day, highly, highly, highly recommend this show. Is it the best show that we've watched? Eh, maybe not. But is it one of the most fun to watch? I would say, yeah. For, yeah. for younger kids, I'd for I'd sure. recommend. I'd absolutely recommend it. And too. Just for adults, it's kind of you know, if you watch it as a kid, you won't have your nostalgia goggles destroyed by it. No, I I mean that's what I was gonna say is is I liked it, uh, and and there was like I said earlier, there was a lot of parts where I was legit laughing hard at some of the stuff that was going on, just because it was ridiculous, like. Like some of the gags that they were playing. I mean, it the was the movie theater one was great. The movie theater one was just ridiculous. Um, the, they the, both made uh, Sponge and some other girl were going to meet from an online dating, and Sponge said his name was Sven and he is from Sweden. Well, it's because her name was Olga. Her name was Olga I'm from Sweden, and she shows up, and her name's like Jennifer Chow or something. Yeah, she's she's Asian, and he and just, she's like, hey, I have something to tell you. Like, I'm not Swedish, and he's like, yeah, I'm not Swedish either. Yeah. And, like, it, that part I thought was kind of funny because that sort of thing would definitely happen today. Uh, yeah. And also there's the whole gag of them not having access to the telephone in that one episode. Oh, yeah, that would, would be, never happen. And well, the, the one telephone is just a payphone that they need permission to use. Well, see, but that's that's why I feel like that concept would work because they would take all the kids' phones away. Yeah. Take all the kids' phones away at summer camp. So not let them have their phones. To All the kids' phones would go into a box at... at at the beginning of camp and they would collect them all and get them all back at the end. And the kids would have to survive without social media for two weeks. Yeah. That would probably be good for them. Yeah. 
So that'll probably do it for this episode. Uh, if you liked this episode, we both we both highly recommend this show. Go back and rewatch it. Uh, if you liked this episode, you can check out our website, childhoodremastered.com. It's got all links to our social media there. You can uh, send us an email with show requests. We get a lot of requests through Facebook, so if you want to do that, why not? Uh, you'll find all that information on our social link at our website, childhoodremastered.com. There's even a phone number there if you want to call and leave us a voicemail. Uh, we'd like to thank John Howarth for the use of our intro music. The song is called Nascent. You can find a link to his SoundCloud at our uh, website, childhoodremastered.com, under the music link. Mm-hmm. We are part of a podcast network called ACPN. Uh, there's a lot of great shows on that network that you want to check out. It's at acpnet.net. Mm-hmm. There's shows that are review shows and, and nostalgia, nostalgia shows. And there's there's some... TV and film review and, yeah. and that kind of thing. So yeah. entertainment Inter- news. Interview and- shows. So uh, check those out. Like I said, it's acpnet.net. And uh, yeah, if we're uh, we're going to keep going with this nostalgic, nostalgic Nick kick yeah the nick <laughs> kick we got a couple more and and then actually we're gonna break from nick kick and do some other things that may still be nickelodeon yeah uh, because uh why it's, not it's our prerogative and i know we still have reviews uh, requests requests to cover but we'll get there yeah so so uh go out there watch and watch us uh, salute your shorts it's it's damn worth it it's a little hard to find online but you can find it it's yeah there. that that was the one thing that we didn't mention is that there was never a d an official dvd release for... so you gotta look for it some of the episodes are recorded on vhs yeah and put up online so you're gonna have to look yeah blame nickelodeon hard. for that one yeah. but uh while you're doing that uh check out any of our old episodes let us know what you think and uh yeah until next time this is sean and chris and this has been your childhood remastered we will see you next time 